Welcome to Episode 9 with Carol Griever. Where meditation meets daily life, this is the Meditation Freedom Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Meditation Freedom Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about authenticity, in my view, and the perils of not living an authentic life. And the person that comes to my mind is Joseph Campbell. He talked a lot about the wasteland, which is a land where people live inauthentic lives, never doing a thing they truly want because either the supernatural laws required them to live as directed by their clergy, or maybe society says this is the way you're supposed to live, or your parents, and so forth. And in the case of our guest today, she was married to someone who was living like that for many, many years. And that causes a lot of pain and suffering for both the person that has to live inauthentically or feels they have to live inauthentically and then the people that they affect around them. But it, of course, can be applied in many other ways. And one of the ways Joseph Campbell talked about the wasteland is that people who are living inauthentically or fulfilling purposes that are not properly theirs or have been put upon them as inescapable laws. And he says that's killer. You know, people not living from within their own center. And another way they artic- he articulates it is, are they going to follow the way of their own zeal, the star that's dawned for them, or do they do what daddy and mother and friends want them to do? The adventure is always in the dark forest, and there's something perilous about it. But it's even much more damaging to not to live authentically. Fortunately for Carol, I think this all turned out really good, and they turned a very difficult event into an ally. And Joseph Campbell said, It is by going down into the abyss that we recover the treasures of life. Where you stumble, there lies your treasure. Carol Griever became sort of an expert and go-to person for mixed orientation relationships since the 2001 publication of her first book, My Husband is Gay. And since then, she's authored three other books, When Carol's husband came out after 30 years of having hidden homosexuality, he having basically led a double life, it came as a a total shock to Carol. But then she learned and used that journey to that journey of grief and its lessons to help others address the challenge. And so she started writing and doing a, a documentary and talking about her own personal story to help many others of straight spouses. So then Carol became a recognized spokeswoman, an advocate for straight spouses. Because she was kind of the go-to person for these types of questions relating to homosexuality and how it relates to straight spouses, she was then consequently interviewed on major network television shows and radio shows, the Anderson Cooper Good Morning America, and The Early Show, amongst many others. And now whenever a public figure comes out of the closet, Carol is one of the people that the media seeks out as a source of information. Now, she's also published a memoir called Memory Quilt, A Family Narrative, and she also published a volume of poetry from which she'll read in this interview called Glimpses, A Memoir in Poetry. And this particular book received the Colorado Authors League 2013 prize for poetry collections. And Carol is an Oklahoma native 
and an adopted Coloradan. She's a former English professor and a staffing company owner. And then she has many more activities that she's a part of in community, in her local community. And Carol has also received numerous honors, including the Colorado Business and Professional Women's Woman of the Year and Community Service Award, Entrepreneur of Distinction, Boulder's Business Pace Setter, and Boulder County Business Hall of Fame. She's also past president of the Boulder Rotary Club and has chaired the Boulder Chamber of Commerce, the Private Industry Council, and the Board of Trustees at Nairopa University. So with that, let's get right into the interview with Carol Griever. Thanks so much, Carol, for joining me in this podcast. I really appreciate you your, taking your time out and uh, joining this podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, my podcast is about meditation and how people come to a path of meditation practice. And one of the ways that I like to introduce the guests to them is by talking about how you, you know, what prompted you, what event in your life, or maybe multiple events prompted you to seek out a, a practice? One teacher said that uh, chaos is a very good thing. And I guess it was chaos in my personal life that that uh, got me started um, on meditation because I was looking for a way to uh, calm down after my husband uh, came out. Uh, we'd been married for 30 years and we're business partners and I had reared two, two wonderful sons and so on. Uh, we had had a life together and um, then he came out. And uh, so the rug was pulled out and I uh, needed a way to sort of calm down and also to find um, to find meaning in what was going on in my life. Uh, it was such a uh, an abrupt change. Everything, everything changed. And for the people that are listening, how many years were you together before he came out? He um, had been, we had been married for 30 years at the time he came out. And he had known that he was gay for most of that time and had acted on it. Uh, so he had this sort of double life for, for almost all of those years. I had absolutely no clue. And um, I guess I was extremely naive. Uh, I know I was trusting. And um, it really uh, came as a shock to me when he said, what he said was, I have homosexual tendencies. Um, but those tendencies had been acted on for a long, long, long time by the time he told me that. So meditation uh, became my refuge, really. Uh, it was a way to uh, let go to, to be in the moment, not to go back to all the what ifs and how stupid I am and all of that. I could get into the present moment by sitting meditation. And so I took training uh, just to do that. And I imagine that didn't just go from one day to the next. Indeed it did. Uh, we were business partners and we had a large business. So we needed to have some time to adjust to this new information and to figure out what we were going to do next. We didn't know whether we wanted to stay together and try to uh, still be a married couple under these circumstances or uh, whether uh, we needed to just divorce and, and go our separate ways. So, uh, and we also had this business to take care of. So 
we put it put our personal life kind of on the back burner to try to figure out what came next with this business. We ended up selling it, uh, but it took about four years before uh, we actually we actually lived apart. Uh, during the the beginning of that, we were trying to make our marriage work, and then we were when we decided we were unable to do that, we we did separate. During that four years, I was taking Shambhala training. Uh, these are weekend retreats, and it's meditation training. It's eight hours a day of meditation. It's, it's a retreat setting. Um, and that's how I learned to, to use meditation uh, in order to really keep my sanity. Yeah. And what are what are some of the breakthroughs or or things that you that you struggled with while you were on the cushion or, or walking meditation? What were some of the things that struck you or that transformed and changed your thinking? I think, as I said before, to stay in the present moment and not try to go back and second guess everything. Uh, also, um, I learned to follow the breath. I figured out that if I can stay with my own breath, if I can follow the breath, whatever is happening will pass. Mm -hmm. So the whole concept of impermanence became very real to me. Whatever it is uh, will pass. And I, I was learning about the depth of um, my own spirit, I think, because I, I really didn't have a lot of anger. I mostly had sadness over this. I was in deep grief. It, I felt as if something, someone dear had died. And in a way that had happened because the man that I thought I knew so well was not that man. Mm -hmm. And so I felt uh, betrayed, of course. I felt angry at times, but mostly I felt very, very sad. And was one of the reasons why you were attracted to Pema Chodron, because that's one of her, her main messages is about uncertainty, not yes. knowing, having the rug pulled under, the groundlessness, um, everything falling apart. It seems to be, that's kind of her trademark. It um, is. And she, she went through a, a kind of similar experiences with a divorce before she became a nun. Um, and uh, her husband um, basically went away with another woman. And I think that gave her a depth of understanding for situations like mine. But the first time I met with Pema one-on-one, -on -one, we, uh, we had an interview, and she told me uh, that having the rug pulled out what could be very good news. And I thought, this woman must be crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because I was in the depth of my sorrow at that moment. Uh, but she, she then told me a little bit about her own experience, but she also said that this is an opportunity to grow. And uh, that's, that is how uh, I, I began to look at it. I also am very fortunate in that I live in Boulder, Colorado, and Naropa University is here. Right. And I was friends with a woman in the psychology department uh, who introduced me. I was looking for a meditation instructor. And she introduced me to Acharya Dale Azrael, 
who is well known. I didn't know that at the time, but she's a wonderful teacher of Dharma. And she became my meditation instructor. So that's how I actually began. And then I started doing the, the 13 uh, weekend series of Shambhala training. And that is meditation intensive. Then I went uh, with um, the Shambhala community uh, to the Rocky Mountain Dharma Center. And I had some longer retreats there with Pema Chodron. So that's how I got connected with Pema. Um, and I have followed her teachings then ever since, along with others. Um, I read a great deal, and I lead a, a Dharma discussion group in my home. It's a, um, it's a kind of small sangha, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we meet once a week, and we read the same thing, and then we have deep discussion about what we have read. And that's become uh, very, very important to me, along with meditation practice and lojong lo practice and um, the, you know, the other ways of practicing Dharma. And is that something that that works for people in similar situations as yours too? Is it like uh, the, the Sangha that you created in your own home? Is that a little bit targeted towards people that have similar struggles? Not necessarily. I work with straight spouses, as we are called, um, in other ways. And I've written books uh, on straight spouse recovery uh, that grew out of my own experience. But I've interviewed hundreds of, of other men and women whose spouses uh, came out. I wrote uh, two books uh, on the basis of those interviews and produced um, um, DVD, a DVD, um, a, a documentary DVD with interviews also. When you were with Pema Children and she talked about how this is an opportunity, how did that become an opportunity for you then? What did you, what insight did you start getting about who you were or what what reality the nature of reality was that formerly you you had a different idea and that now the rug was being pulled under it i think i real i i learned how strong i i can be um i felt uh devalued at first i felt unworthy i thought um i must be there must be something wrong with me so i was blaming myself at at the beginning and i learned uh through these quiet times, these quiet hours, that uh, this has nothing to do really with me, the fact that my husband is gay. It is, it, it is who he is, and he needed to um, become more authentic in his own life. Uh, and I, I came to appreciate that. So that, uh, that was one of the real benefits of uh, the meditation practice. In those hours, I could sit with it and begin to understand it and begin to see that that this is not a, a cry it doesn't have to remain a crisis that we can both come through it we can both pass through it so you develop compassion then by understanding yes. uh, the struggle for yes. being authentic it seems like we all struggle with that in, in some degree or another because society is always saying well this is the way it should be or your parents say this is the way it should be and so people start leading inauthentic lives in order to please. And that's such a sad thing because it creates even more pain. Absolutely. And I think the final step of, of healing for a person going through a personal change like this uh, is to learn to forgive. 
to forgive what came before and understand that the other person was doing what they felt they had to do. Mm -hmm. And I really do understand that my ex-husband is, um, he is so much happier. He is free. He is authentic. He is married to his partner, uh, his male partner, and they have a wonderful life together. It is so much better. I also remarried. I have a wonderful life. You know, we had to free each other mm-hmm. in order to and, and understand the motivations in order to um, pass through it, in order to heal. And forgiveness is a really big piece of that. And so while you still continue to practice, how do you see your practice now? What does it do for you now? I think I have learned enough to know that service is the is the real uh, reward and the real path. I, I took refuge, became a Buddhist uh, in 1991, uh, and it, I didn't take the Bodhisattva vow uh, the Mahayana Bodhisattva vow um, until uh, 2008, and I did a, a deep study of Shanti Deva and uh, the way of the Bodhisattva, and I took that vow with uh, Dale Asrael. Um, and the the gist of that is the basis of that uh, is to exchange self for other, to put yourself in the other person's place, and it is a vow of service. So since then, I have really devoted my time and, and energy to um, service of, uh, through the blog, uh, working with straight spouses, doing peer counseling uh, locally uh, with people here and uh, online through, through my blog. Um, the books that I've written also are a part of that. Uh, so I, I write. And I teach uh, this in this Dharma group. Uh, I lead it and, and lead the discussions and so on. Part of my background is at, in teaching also. I was a professor for uh, seven years. And so all of this has come together and is really, I feel that I've reached a sort of perfect circle of activities to act out the Bodhisattva vow. And I take it really seriously. That's wonderful. You've written a book of poetry to kind of, I read a couple of them, and and in it you talk a little bit about how your sense of self and, and the sense of separateness kind mm-hmm. of dissolved, and, and maybe you could read a couple of them. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to read them. Thank you for asking. Um, the book is Glimpses, a memoir in poetry. And this book is made up of um, poems that I, I have written over a number of years. And as I gathered them, I realized that what I had here was um, a kind of record of turning points through, um, through a lifetime. So um, the, some of the poems um, are related directly uh, to my experience as a straight spouse, and uh, some as my experience, they're related to my experiences as a Buddhist. But um, the ones that you asked me to read are um, related. This first one is looking back, is about looking back. This is called Retrospection. Another Christmas season passed. 
busy and predictable. Ham and yams, green beans and pie, decoration on the door, glitter and glitz. Tree ornaments lovingly hung radiate moving memories. Tiny wedding bell, 1961. First grade painted star, homemade trifles knitted and stitched. Trophies from trips, family gifts, tender mementos of boys now men, dear ones gone, lives transformed, marriages ended and begun. What was certain wasn't. The impossible happened. Shocks followed humdrum. Christmases came and went. Wreaths hung, gifts given. Time passed, prior life with it. It happens this way. Another tree, another feast. A year ends, another begins. Taking down cherished baubles, we pack away the past. Out of sight, but always present. Ornaments and delusions, keen reminders of all we were when we thought we knew. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. I think it. Um, this is all, this is the last poem in the book, I believe. Yes, almost the last, um, and it it kind of captures the the movement of this life. Right. Yeah, everything is in flux. Everything, everything changes. It's the impermanence again. Yeah, we cannot escape it, and it's not bad. It's how we grow. It's how we learn, and and these reminders are really precious because they take us back to what we thought we knew for sure and then we realize that maybe it wasn't the same the next year and the next year and the next year we move forward right yeah and we all we have this <clears throat> tendency to hold on to things and to to want things to be permanent yeah and that's not how how anything else in nature works but somehow we believe that in our case, you know, it's, it might be different. It might be permanent. Yes. We, uh, my book group just read uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's No Death, No Fear. And uh, I love his uh, images um, uh, to, to illustrate that. But the one of looking at old photographs, um, the same and yet different. You see yourself 10 years ago and 20 years ago in photographs and you realize that you're the same person and yet in each phase you're different, you're changing, you're moving. So nothing is permanent really. I found um, a box with my old passports in it and uh, I looked at those pictures and I swear that I did not look like the same person. Right. Uh, at 10 years apart, I would not have recognized myself. So, um, I think it just demonstrates the movement of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Didn't you have another poem, like, I think it was called Separation or something? On Separation. Yeah. Would you like for me to read it? Yeah, that'd be great. On Separation. Root bound no more, 
my white violet settles into fresh soil. Old roots no longer fed, velvet stems, fragile blooms. Leaves drooped, freshness faded, constrained it languished. Total change required. Brutal blade cuts horizontal roots, circling inner walls, confinement slashed. Wounded but vital, cut edges begin to grow. Timid new roots push tenderly past outgrown patterns. Boundaries fall. Rawness feeds renewal. Yeah, that's a great one, too. Thank you. Yes. And renewal is a daily occurrence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And resistance to that, to to change is, is or friction to change is what causes us so much pain. Mm -hmm. Clinging, Clinging, hanging yeah. on, uh, trying to stop the movement. It doesn't happen. It keeps moving. Right. And then there was there was one final uh, poem that I liked too. It was really playful. Um, it was called uh, hip something hip hop. Granny, Granny hip hop. Yeah. I'm a grandmother. I have two grandchildren. <laughs> yes, and this was really just for fun. I was just goofing off when I wrote this. So please understand, this is not uh, great literature. Granny hip hop. My head is aching, my ass is breaking, my thoughts are taking too long to form. My hair is graying, my strength's decaying, my mind is straying, recalling youth. But golden years are calm and dear. It's not too late to contemplate, to heal all hate and mend my fate. My days are free to just be me. But that's so wonderful. I love that. You know, that's. <laughs> I, I'm always embarrassed when I read it, but, but uh, it is fun. It's and and it's it's truthful. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I like it because it's authenticity is it is more joyful. You know, because you can be who you want to who you are instead of feeling restrained by rules and things like that. Yeah, I think um, my most difficult years of, of my long life were spent when I was in business because I had so many roles that I was trying to fill. I was trying to be what I really was not. Um, and it was, um, it, it was miserable for me most of the time, but I kept the front up. And that was exhausting. It is, so, yeah. When we when we sold that business and I uh, I walked away from it, I my first thoughts were who am I really? I don't even know. So that's when I really got into uh, spiritual studies and and looking for for the answer to that basic question: Who am I? And um, I'm beginning to get a feel for something greater than than uh, what I thought I was at that time. In other words, I'm not, I am a part of the whole. Mm -hmm. I'm part of the whole, the, the ultimate. Uh, I'm not this, this squeamish little um, sad person <laughs> anymore. <laughs>
at yeah. all. And that's so, uh, that's so liberating that you don't no longer have to feel like you have to play some role. Or I believe the word's authenticity, and 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 I'm working toward that. I really want to be as real as I can be. That's great. I'm happy you're doing it. We all need it. Maybe you can mention the book again that you were actually just reading from, and some of the other books. So, and then what I'll do is I'll put the links on the website, and then people can go check it out. Well, that would be very nice. The book I just read from is called Glimpses, a memoir in poetry. It uh, won the Colorado Authors League 2013 prize. And so that was very affirming. Uh, the other two books that I would mention uh, are on straight spouse recovery. My husband is gay, a woman's guide to surviving the crisis. And the, the other I wrote uh, along with Deborah Bowman, who is the friend I mentioned at Naropa. She is a PhD psychologist. And it is a long-term recovery book called When Your Spouse Comes Out, a straight mace recovery manual. And so this would help people who have this issue with their spouse. But besides, you know, like in your case, you, you went on a meditation path. But some other people, they may want to go just to a therapist. What do you see? Is that like with everyone a different thing or with some people they go to a, a support group or is it a combination of all? Yes, it is a combination of all, of all of those. And it also depends on the individual. Some go to, uh, to private therapists. Uh, the Straight Spouse Network is a good resource online, SSN or Straight Spouse Network. There are blogs. Mine is called Straight Spouse Connection, and it's an interactive blog. Um, I think peer groups are very helpful at first because you're able to talk about uh, your own experience and you tell your story, and it helps to get it off your chest. Mm -hmm. But after so many months of doing that, and you hear everybody's story over and over, and you 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 get sort of sick of, of repeating your own story, and I think that's that's a sign of growth because then you're ready to move into a longer term therapy or longer term recovery, and you can do that on your own, um, but uh, it helps to be able to talk about it, uh, particularly at the beginning. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's, there are a few good books out, but at the time my husband came out, there was nothing uh, on the subject. I could only find one book that dealt with it directly, and that's, that's what prompted me to write one after I finally got through it because there wasn't very much out there. I think there's a, there are more resources now available than there used to be. That's great. And is it a big issue in the United States still, where a lot of people are still hiding? You know, it continues to be so. I, I kept thinking I was going to work myself out of a job, but I haven't with the blog. Uh, I'm, I get thousands of hits uh, on, my, on my website and my blog, and uh, the stories are the same. Uh, I think that social pressure and religious pressure and uh, career pressure all of those things are still enforced. And even though gay marriage is becoming much more accepted, and I'm very happy about that because there will be, we hope, fewer of these mixed orientation marriages. But they, um, it, it still is happening. Yeah. Still is happening. There's still a lot of prejudice. And if a person is in a certain kind of career, he may, 
he or she may find um, prejudice in the workforce uh, and difficulty in advancing and so on. Um, religious pressure is huge and it, it continues. Yeah, that's one of the reasons shows like this and then your books and things, we still need to keep talking about it because people still can't really be themselves and, and come out or they're afraid of coming out. I, I agree. There's still a lot of prejudice, a lot of fear, and we, we just have to keep chipping away at it, I think, in whatever way we can. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you getting on this on the podcast and uh, and sharing your stories so wholeheartedly and openly. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Carol Griever. You can find the podcast episode on the website meditationfreedom.com slash zero zero nine. And please leave a message if you can. Uh, let me know if this episode was interesting to you or if you had some additional questions that were you did not see answered in the interview. I will make sure that all the books that were discussed in this interview and that she's written are linked from within the show notes as well. So you can just go to there if you want to purchase the book and get more information. Just look under resources and I'll have links to each of the books and also have a link to a DVD documentary that Carol was part of. I just wanted to quickly mention that the podcast, Meditation Freedom Podcast, is now available on Stitcher. I'm not sure who is the type of people that use Stitcher, but it appears that it is primarily used for people that use streaming on their phones. So the quality is a little bit less on the audio, but it helps save bandwidth for end users who are streaming on their smartphones with limited data plans. So if you are one of those people, you can go on Stitcher and download the podcast there. And of course, if you feel inclined, I would love a rating there on Stitcher as well as iTunes. So you can find the link to the podcast on Stitcher by going to the website meditationfreedom.com. There'll be a, a big logo to Stitcher right on the homepage. Thank you. So thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a, re a great rest of the week or evening, uh, wherever you are. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us on the Meditation Freedom Podcast, where meditation meets daily life. <laughs>